while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. show i'm marcus final hour of today chris will be back tomorrow we've got a good show planned ahead uh we've got the director of the uh, dartmouth health department coming in at seven and we're going to talk about the septic issue that's going to impact could potentially impact everybody not just in dartmouth but in new bedford um across the uh Across the Commonwealth, there's been public meetings in Lakeville and in Barnstable on this issue, and uh, I'd, I'd reached out to the um, uh, Mr. Michaud because uh, the the health director in Dartmouth, because um, you know I'd seen his the story on WPRI where they were they had a they had a big uh, they had a public meeting about it, and uh, he's really got a you know he, he's really um, taken a uh, I spoke with him about it. He's obviously got a great grasp on the issue and so we're going to have him in studio uh tomorrow at 7 p.m to to talk about it so really looking forward to that and that's an important issue that you guys um it's you know deep new dep requirements that could uh significantly raise the cost of some you know basic utilities for average uh working families uh, in southeastern massachusetts so We'll 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 have that um we'll have him on tomorrow. That's at seven. You definitely want to tune in for that. Um so five oh eight nine nine six oh five hundred. That's how you can get on the program. So um uh we were, I was talking earlier because the the Georgia Senate race is going uh, is going on now. And in fact, Joe Joe Biden, who uh, Joe Biden visited Boston over the last over last weekend on Saturday, I believe he visited Boston. You know, the royal family was there, but he visited not for the royal family, but he visited to uh, raise money for Raphael Warnock. Uh, that's where they actually Warnock's camp had requested, rather than go down there in Georgia to campaign with him, to go to uh, uh, Massachusetts, where there's a significant fundraising apparatus. For both the Republicans and Democrats, uh, Massachusetts is a is a is a is um, they have like Ron DeSantis, you know, stopped in every time. Every time a, a, a national party figure comes to Massachusetts for any reason, you'll see them do a fundraiser for the most part. 
you know, Obama's always on the, well, Obama lives in the vineyard now, but he was always in the vineyard, um, you know, doing events there. Kamala Harris and, and Biden, too. Uh, Nantucket's a big one for Republicans. I know Mike Pence has visited Nantucket when he was vice president. Um, uh, Ron, um, Ron DeSantis had a $5,000 a head fundraiser in Nantucket over the summer. Uh, so... Um, it's a significant fundraising appara- uh, uh, area for both parties. So he went to Massachusetts, he went to Boston, and went to a, an electrical workers union in in Dorchester, actually, to raise money for people in um, for uh, Warnock. They had people, uh, you know, basically phone banking and all of that, and they raised a significant amount of money that way. And they were phone banking, getting. You know, it's a, which is a, a crucial part of any campaign um, is phone banking, you know, locally or nationally, uh, making sure you get people that are likely voters, um, reminding them that the election's tomorrow and reminding them to go vote for your particular candidate. So 508-996-0500. We got a call on the line. Good evening. Hi, good evening. How you doing? Uh, good. I've got my uh, tinfoil hat on. I'm going to. Okay. From Area 51. I, 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 here's my theory. All right, conspiracy theory. Yeah. Uh, now that we see that the uh, laptop was real two years later, and the, now everyone's saying, oh, my bad. Uh, I'm going to go forward with what I've been thinking for over a year. What we're witnessing is the greatest heist bank robbery ever in the United States, and that was the Federal Reserve. Everybody colluded with media, big corporations, to get Biden in. Yeah, I, I, I don't I, listen. Listen, I, I don't think. First of all, I, I, I doubt that an appreciable. Not let's like that Twitter limiting the the laptop story. They admit, they later admitted that was a mistake. There's some big revelation later that that basically revealed things that everybody already knew um, already about the laptop story from the New York Post. But like. I don't think enough people cared about that to swing the election. Biden won pretty handedly won that election. I, I don't think that was going to going to sway a, a, an appreciable amount of voters either way on on that. Well, my 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 view is that it's a uh, the world agenda, the, the screen energy thing, the push to get trillions of dollars, about eleven point five trillion, can't happen unless you get the presidency, you get the executive order. And you, and you just start, you just start having at it, and that's what happened in two years. In two years, I, now I know the Republicans would probably hit uh, hit the reserve for about five or six trillion on based on their agenda, but this is more than double. And we're talking trillions of dollars, and what is that worldwide? With the way it was spread out, it's influence, it's influence, it's kickbacks, and the bottom line is that the Democratic Party and the, the, the corporations were all in on this. They had to get to the Treasury to set this green agenda and, and as well as fill their pockets as this boondoggle. And it was successful. So now everybody's mea culpa and that's it and life goes on. And it's not a big deal to me. We're paying for it now. They said, oh, our children are going, no, we're paying for it now. Just look at your prices of your food, your gas pumps. Look at your daily cost of clothing, uh, everything. We're paying for it now. So anyway, it was a transition. We got the bill. They got the they got the boondoggle. They got peddled their influence, and um, and today the UN says uh, the leader of the UN says 
We're treating nature like a toilet. What are you talking about? The whole planet's a toilet. Everything's recyclable. Everything does this thing. I know where he's getting at. I know what he's getting. Well, not everything's recyclable. Not everything's recyclable. Not everything's recyclable, obviously. That's why we're, you know, in the precarious position that we're in. You're right there. You're right there. Even gold is nine point, oh, excuse me, point nine nine nine. I mean, do you not think shifting to more environmentally friendly uh, policies is a worthwhile endeavor? I don't understand. And I don't get why Hunter Biden's laptop has anything to do with it. No, I don't either. That's why I said it's a tinfoil hat observation. Uh, just like the uh, two or three years from now, perhaps Wuhan will own the fact that it was a laboratory thing for the COVID that happened there. Yeah. And uh, I don't really care about that either because I, I get my news from uh, other sources and I just watch it play out. Right. As a matter of fact, everything that comes out is usually 18 to 24 months behind anyways. So uh, I just wanted to put it out there. It's a conspiracy to knock off the Federal Reserve to line their pockets, and they could kill us. And uh, I'm just saying, it's not even politics. It's just a bunch of dissenters in both parties just ripping us off. And, uh, you know, life goes yeah. on for me because I manage my life respectively. Right. Hey, I mean, you know, won't argue with you much there on uh, a lot of people being ripped off by stuff that's happening at the national level. I agree with you there. Well, I guess that sums it up. And other than to say that I'm hoping that this Healy administration uh, lives up to what I'm expecting. Uh, I'm I'm expecting that the government's going to run, as it always does, because they're going to take care of that. But the issues that are going to be sensational in television and TV and radio talk about, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be about morality, sexuality, um, uh, observing people's differences, and trying to expand people's minds intellectually, if they're willing to listen. So it should be interesting. And I think Haley, if he gets a fair shake, will not be treated as poorly as Jane Swift. And I just pray to God that it's not going to be a Jane Swift 2.0 administration. Yeah, I mean, I think Healy's coming in. Healy's coming in a different way than Jane Swift was. Jane Swift was the, you know... Jane Swift wasn't elected governor. Healy was elected governor overwhelmingly. Um, you know, exactly. so I think he's, I think he's, she's coming in a different way than, than Jane Swift was. I think that's astute, and I and I think that's going to be the barometer or the or the, the measure yeah. is that she's going to have some momentum. Where Swift was just kind of the accidental governor. Yeah, because Salucci got tapped for ambassador to Canada. Canada. Yeah. Canada. Yeah. And he bought up all the aftermarket parts for a Chevrolet and made millions of dollars in Canada. <laughs> sure he did. Wonderful. Yeah, hey, good to hell. It's all about, let's put it this way. These people, that uh, they get lost representing us sometimes because they've got so much on their plate that is once in a lifetime. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, if I go in a store and I buy five tickets and three of them are million-dollar winners, I mean, what are the odds on that? I've got to deal with that. Right. I'm sorry if I'm the mayor of the city, but look at me. I'm in a different orbit right now. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of that, my tinfoil hat is put away, and I'd like to uh, just say you got a great show. Thank all you. The way, all week long. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. So um, 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Yeah, I mean, as far as the Hunter Biden laptop thing goes, I mean, there was that big reveal from Elon Musk. I didn't see much 
that was revelatory, honestly. And I actually met Taibi, who was the journalist. He was at the Rolling Stone. I believe he left to make his own Substack. Um, I respect Matt Taibi's body of work as a journalist. Uh, generally, he, he he's um, he's typically seen as more of a left left you know more of a left wing type of of journalist. But um, I, I like Matt Taibi. But I, I didn't see anything relevatory in those emails. I mean, they talked about the Hunter Biden uh, laptop story, and I think Jack Dorsey had said a year ago almost a year ago, basically, like in March of 21, like, yeah, we, we shouldn't have suppressed that story on Twitter. Does that make it a non, like a, you know, I don't think that makes a difference in the election. Personally, I don't know if enough people care about that issue. Um, and in terms of taking down the photos uh, of Hunter Biden, um, it's, there were naked photos of him. Um, Twitter has a very clear policy on, uh, nude photos being posted without consent of the person in the picture. And the posting of those photos violated those terms. And so they took them down. That seems pretty clear cut, pretty reasonable policy. I think you'd probably agree. Um, and Taibi also in that big Twitter reveal had said that He'd also, Taibi had said in that big Twitter reveal, the Twitter files, <sighs> the Twitter files that both the Trump campaign and the Biden campaign had been in contact regularly with Twitter uh, for purposes of content moderation. So they had both flagged stuff. You know, they had massive billion dollar operations over there. Um, so they both flagged stuff and reported it to Twitter. There, that was in a that was a service made available to both campaigns. Uh, Taibi made that clear in his um, in his data dump or whatever you want to call it. I, I don't know. Um, I think it's a big nothing burger. I don't think it gives us any information that we didn't know before, uh, and I don't think it had any impact on the election. So. I mean, that's my position on the laptop story. I, I I don't know. It's it's hard to we'll we'll see. I guess it's just uh, I don't know if enough people care, especially if you're going to do another Biden Trump election. I, I don't think people are going to care. I don't think they are. Um. So five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Uh, again, you know the the Georgia Senate race. The polls close at seven. They're still counting the ballots. Most of them are in. I think that honestly. I think that um, I'm pretty still pretty sure Warnock's going to win, and based on all the forecasting, the forecasters who are breaking down the po- the, the the results, the the results that are coming in, um, they're all pretty much saying the same thing that Warnock's in a really strong position to win. Uh, you know, Walker, the, the Republicans could have won this race. They had a they had a really strong governor's uh, showing in the governor's race, and that top of the ticket should have carried. But the problem was that they ran such a horrendous candidate in Herschel Walker. I mean, one of the most uniquely bad candidates I think that's ever been put forward in a Senate race, everything that a candidate could do wrong. This guy did wrong. (laughs) He has a really sordid past with a history of abuse. He, uh, has, um, you know, he just randomly says outlandish things like he was lying. 
about he just randomly said he was an FBI agent. You know, he he just gets caught lying all of the time over the most stupid stuff. Um, he has difficulty communicating uh, his messages to the public, which is the nicest, most charitable way I can put it. Uh, and I just don't think he's going to, I, I just don't, I, I think Warnock, Warnock's a substantial, like a pretty well-liked guy, um, which actually kept uh, Walker's campaign from going hard negative on, on Warnock. He's a pretty well-liked guy. I think he's going to get a full six-year term in the, in the, uh, in the Senate, uh, the U.S. Senate for Georgia. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Good evening. Hey, Marcus, how you doing? Hey, what's up, Tom? Big win today for Portugal. Oh, and and the, and the Madeiran didn't even start. I heard, yeah, I heard he got he got benched and uh, well, and and they won. Yeah, it, was, it, it wasn't so much bench; it was strategic in a way. Uh, that was supposed to be a close game, and I think they were worried about uh, him not being out there for the if there was going to be a shootout. They wanted to make sure that he was on the field right for the shootout and, uh, and the energy. But it was cool; the crowd was demanding that he they were you know uh, <laughs> right. Uh, uh, wow, Ronaldo, Ronaldo right. started coming from the crowd. That was cool. And they, they showed him, and he was smiling. And he's out there less than two minutes and scores a goal, but he was offside. But you, you notice when he does score, he, he, he shoots missiles, man. I mean, the guy got a foot on him like nobody else I've ever seen. Right. But uh, it, it was wonderful to watch. They, 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 they owe a lot of it uh, to the midfielder. Uh, uh, Fernandez, Bruno, uh, he just carved them up, uh, throughout the game. And, uh, it was fun, almost fun to watch. So they're in it with Morocco. Uh, that's, that's gonna, uh, take place, I believe it's next Saturday. If they win there, they play the winner of the big one, which is, uh, France or England. Uh, that game is on, I believe, uh, uh, Saturday also. Uh, and then on the other side, you've got, uh, Brazil and uh, another big one, Argentina and the Netherlands, uh, which ought to be a great game. And right. so, so they're they're poised. They keep playing the way they're playing. They're, they're going to be in the final, and uh, that that would be something. That would be incredible. That would really yeah. be something. Yeah. I mean, the, the substitute that they put in for Ronaldo got a hat trick. Right. <laughs> he was unbelievable. Yeah, I heard was, that. Who, who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> but that, that that was great. So uh, anyway, uh, I, I've been watching it with one of my sisters who's never seen a soccer game before, and uh, now she's yelling at the TV, yellow card. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. It's a lot of fun. But uh, the other news today w- with the Trump organization was was uh, sort of, uh, you kind of knew that that, that was yeah. going to come out the way it did. Uh, and I believe that was part of the Mueller report when uh, Mueller uh, shifted those cases that he didn't have jurisdiction over, but mm-hmm. saw uh, potential crimes to uh, the district attorney of Manhattan uh, for that uh, non-payment of taxes. Uh, so, you know, the Trump people that that's continue to support the guy, you got to start looking at at least some of this stuff, you know? It, it helps his narrative um, that he, he pitches to his base, honestly, that he's, um, you know, uh, a victim of, uh, you know, the, the deep state or he's a victim of the establishment uh, and Democrat and, you know, evil Democrats that are, you know, afraid of him, you know, upsetting uh, the established order. I think it plays into his narrative for, in terms of his base. Uh, I don't know if, like, 
most Republicans that are going to vote in a primary are going to concern themselves with it. Yeah, well, you got that, and, and then the most recent thing with a, uh, you know, trying to suspend the Constitution. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then then try to backtrack that one. I mean, yeah. it just goes on and on and on with this guy. Yeah, I know uh, it's it's terrible. Um, I think in the general election he's cooked, but in the in the in the general election he's cooked uh, with all this stuff that's happened. But in the in the I think in the primary, I still think I still think he's going to win. Um, I don't know. We'll see, I guess, on how serious of a campaign DeSantis uh, mounts against him and all yeah, of that. But... Or even Governor Christie, he, he throws his hat in the Oh, rank. Chris Christie, come on. Well, I mean, if they're on this stage. This is 2012. Why doesn't, uh, why doesn't John Huntsman run and Mitt Romney? <laughs> come on, well, dude. Th- there's about 10 of them, you know, that are already uh, announced. Yeah, Cruz th- is out th- there again. Who? Uh, Cruz. Santa yeah, Cruz. Th- uh, t- Ted Cruz, okay. Um um, the way I see it, this is a two two horse race. Ted Cruz is running for for president. They they had a uh, thing in uh, Las Vegas for the Jewish um, uh, committee that invites uh, potential candidates, and if you don't go to that, um, then, then you're not considered a serious. Was candidate. it was it IPAC, uh, APAC, yeah, something like that? Yeah. Uh, but there was ten announced people, and that that's the problem. You know. They'll run in the primary to break up the vote, and his base will support him, and Trump becomes a nominee again. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah, that's the, that's going to be the thing. Like Trump probably wins the Iowa caucus because they st- they're starting with the the de- Democrats are changing their presidential primary order, but the um, but uh, the Republicans are leaving it the same way that they are. So they're starting with the Iowa caucus. The Iowa caucus always picks the most conservative or most extreme candidate they actually picked cruz in uh, they picked cruz in 2016 but you know now that I, I i it's hard to see them not pick trump they picked cruz in 16 they picked mike huckabee in 2008 they picked rick santorum in 2012 um so whoever can corral the evangelical vote basically is the person that wins the iowa caucus and i think evangelicals are still pretty strong for trump so he's going to start off with a strong primary win in iowa the way it's probably shaping up and then you know, it goes from there. So, yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we look forward to Saturday uh, uh, for the quarterfinals and, uh, and say a prayer for the Madeiran. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Hang in there. Right. Thanks. Bye. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I see that. I mean, there could be a bunch of people jumping in. Chris Christie, that's funny. Um, but, uh, it's a two horse race. It's one of those things. Yeah, there's a bunch of people jumping in, but there's two people that are going to really compete for this. And uh, it's going to be Trump and DeSantis. So Ted Cruz, I, I mean, I remember Ted Cruz actually picked, I don't know if you guys remember this, about a week before his when his campaign was in free fall, he actually picked a VP candidate. And picking a VP candidate or like a, a running mate before like the convention or before the primary, um, is like before the nomination secured picking your vp is the mark of a campaign in free fall and so we picked carly fiorina uh who was the um the tech person who got fired by dell she was like the ceo of dell um she got fired and uh she ran for president and 
you know, that was what it was. But Cruz picked her for a VP for whatever reason, and they lost like eight days later. I don't see that happening either. It's I still think it's a two-horse race. And for, as far as the Democrats go, it seems like they're setting the primary schedule up to be to be favorable for Biden because Biden basically was DOA until the South Carolina primary uh, where he really had a resurgence in his campaign. And it's actually a very similar way in how Bill Clinton won in 92. Uh, he didn't do well in the earlier states uh, like Iowa, New Hampshire, et cetera. And then he came on in the southern states. He was obviously he's from Arkansas. But he came on in the southern states and ended up securing the nomination. So the way they're setting it up, they want they're setting it up for Joe Biden to run and run strong in the primary in case there is one. That's very that's the exact reason why the I mean, I'm all for getting rid of the Iowa caucus as like the most important state. Like I don't there does like there's just no, like no reason Iowa should be the most important state. And I think actually having a state with a bit more uh, of a diverse makeup of the electorate is probably better. Um, I still think you should honestly explore in terms of like, you know, doing presidential primaries. I think there's an argument to to be like had for just doing a national election like one day. Everybody just votes and it is what it is. Uh, but I understand when there's a crowded field and all that, that might not be as as, as plausible. Uh, so anyway, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program i'm going to take uh this break and we'll be right back this is south coast night and i got some app chat messages we'll get to them too Welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus, 508-996-0500. Uh, still looking good for Warnock. He's going to win this race. Too early to call, but um, I'm just going to say it. I think Warnock's going Warnock's to win. He's going to get elected to a full term. Um, so just getting back to the uh, open phone lines, the rest of the show, whatever you want to talk about. Um, 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. I was talking about, you know, one of the reasons Georgia, the Republicans lost this race is because they ran bad candidates. And I said that they're cannibalizing each other in that they are um, giving way to bad candidates or even uh, forcing out proven elected officials people who have won the office and would probably continue to win the office. They're forcing them out for bad candidates that aren't as palatable or palatable at all for a general um, electorate. Right. Um, uh, I said, that's like electoral cannibalism. Right. Uh, and Max from Bedford had, you know, asked me to clarify the cannibalism comment. He said, it's actually when uh, he said, it's actually when members, uh, they disown members of their own caucus for having ideological differences. Uh, talking about AOC, AOC's spat with leadership. I think in Congress, here's the thing. Like in terms of, I think Republicans have really good party discipline in Congress for sure. Uh, especially in the Senate, they have really good party discipline. Uh, Democrats don't have it as much in the Senate. Joe Manchin, you can see it with Manchin Cinema. They've been able to hold stuff up. Uh, even when you've got like people like these Republican, like, quote-unquote, independent voices like Susan Collins 
uh, and Lisa Murkowski. Murkowski and Colin and Romney. Murkowski, Collins, and Romney are very much given permission from like when they like were like when Murka- like when they had the majority, right? When the Senate Republicans had the majority, any vote that they took that was like against the against the that bucked the party leadership very much was given permission by Mitch McConnell. Um, they did not do that because they had an independent way of thinking about things. You know, uh, I would say in the House, the Democrats have pretty good party discipline. AOC, despite her, you know, she's and I, I like AOC. I appreciate the, the the things that she stands for, but she didn't, you know, and she's she's been outspoken against party leadership. But she has voted for Nancy Pelosi as House Speaker and voted for that party uh, party leadership um, every time. There's never been, uh, you know, so of the rest of the even more. Let's even call them insurgent, uh, you know, progressive left type of Democrats. So, uh, you know, I don't think they're they're really being disabused. Plus, they're getting good. They're getting good com- uh, committee chairmanships, too, over there. Um, AOC is on oversight, I think. Uh, Ilhan Omar's on um, Ilhan Omar's on on foreign relations. She's on the foreign relations committee. So they're getting good. They're getting good committee assignments too. They're not really being—I don't think they're being all that uh, all that jettisoned um, by the party leadership. But having said that, um, you know the moderate wing of, wing of the party is still what controls the Democrats. Republicans, I don't think so much. Um, I think there might be something to be said about Mitch McConnell maybe trying to actively sabotage the Republican Party because he sees he's always been in service to the vision of. Uh, you know, having his, you know, executing a vision and he doesn't see it with like the, the Trump project. Right. And there is really is no Trump project. Um, so I don't know. The point I'm trying to make is. Republicans are going to lose the Senate seat that they probably should have won because they ran a bad candidate. They ran a Trump candidate. They lost the Senate seat in Pennsylvania that they could have won. Because they ran a bad candidate, a Trump candidate. They lost a seat in Arizona that they could have won because they ran a horrendous candidate, one of the most, the, one of the creepiest, most off-putting can, uh, Senate candidates, like in human history, in Blake Masters. He was horrifying, and they're just running awful candidates. They did it here in Massachusetts. They ran statewide some one good candidate, but the rest of them were not good. They were not good candidates. One good candidate. Out of what six? I mean, actually five. They didn't even run one of the candidates for. Um, they didn't even run one of the candidates for uh, treasurer. So that allowed the libertarian candidate to get ballot access for the libertarians. And now that's going to be a problem for the Republicans in Massachusetts. Now that the libertarians have ballot access, um, so it's you know it's just a matter of. Like, I think a lot of this culture war type of stuff, you know, isn't palatable. If they went back to being the more, you know, like, let's say Bob Dole, I guess Bob Dole, right? Like, uh, or Jack Kemp type of Republicans where they're like trying to present themselves as the business party. I mean, I think it's all awful, but if they're trying to, if they went back in that direction, 
they're probably standing a better chance in a lot of these these elections, uh, a lot of these these swing state elections, than they do right now in these um, than they do right now. It, it's really it's really just a matter of the party platform isn't something that people are really gravitating to. Um, all this obsession with like critical race theory and uh, this obsession with transgender, uh, you know, with trying to, you know, ostracize transgender people. It's just not working. Um, and running people like Herschel Walker, uh, Trump's Trump's candidates are have done horribly in the uh, they've done horribly in the um, in the midterm elections. All of them. And I think out of the 10 pro-impeachment Republicans, so ones that aren't Trump Republicans, only two of them are returning to Congress. Only two of them are returning to Congress. Some of them primaried. Some of them have been lost in the general election and all of that. So uh, probably, I mean, it's just, you know, they think they're at a moment where even with the, the way that the system is, the way that the national electoral system is, which is incredibly favorable to Republicans, right? When you think about it, the fact that states like New York and California have, have as many representation has have as many represent, representatives in the Senate as a state like Wyoming, which has five hundred thousand people, right? And like you know, I think California has thirty eight million, and New York has twenty something million, right? The fact that even Florida, like this, the fact that these these states that are that have less than a million people in them have at least two senators and a state like Massachusetts has 6 million people and we have just as many senators as them in a state in a, in a system where we don't even do the popular vote. We just uh, elect people based on this dated point system that was implemented by slave owning aristocrats to ensure that people's popular will wasn't too um, enforceable wasn't enforceable to the point where it, you know, took away from their broader plans on how the country was run. Even in this climate, which is heavily favored towards Republicans, they are not able to win in a convincing manner. They're just not able to do it. Even with the gerrymandered districts, you know, the everything. Is every the the entire national electoral infrastructure is skewed towards Republicans doing better than they probably should, and they still can't win in a convincing ma- manner, and they can't take the Senate, right? So it's because they've just gone too far. They've just gone too far away from policies and and um, you know positions on social issues and all of that. That most people like they're going in the opposite direction of most people, and that's what's killing them. 508 996 0500. That's how you can get on. New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. Edaville's below. Spent all day hearing about the news. Now's your chance to react to it. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Call Chris and Marcus now at 508-996-0500. Or send a text via app chat on the WBSM app. Now, back to South Coast Tonight.
Welcome back. It's from a brand new little known band called Led Zeppelin. So, uh, welcome back to the show. 508 996 We're also messages from the app chat. Max from Bedford says that Republicans fear that liberals will irresponsibly mismanage and destroy a once great empire. I mean, if we're talking about empire, like empire building, like, you know, there are occupations of countries across the world for the entirety of our existence as a country. I don't think empire building has been um, a successful or worthwhile endeavor, uh, especially recently in Iraq, Afghanistan, you know, all of our meddling in the Latin American countries and beyond. I don't think that's been good for um, most people or good for the good for the world. Uh, so, um, I, I don't know. In, in terms of mismanagement uh, of you know, uh, I I mean, could it get <laughs> in terms of mismanagement uh, in empire in service to you know an empire building? Could it get worse than the Bush administration? I don't know. But um, 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Raphael Warnock is leading with 87% of the vote in, uh, further cementing my position. And not really. It's a position I took from other people. I follow a lot of election forecasters. They all said he's going to win that Senate race. So it'll be a 51-seat uh, Senate. So they won't need Kamala Harris to to invoke the tiebreaker as much as she did on a lot of stuff. Uh, Joe Manchin won't be able to hold things up as much as he did before. I suppose a coalition of Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema could, uh, but still it'll be a lot. I think it would be a lot more tenable. The, the problem is, is Republicans are going to have the gavel. Kevin McCarthy will, will probably have the gavel, um, the speaker gavel, and so that means they can control what comes on the floor and what doesn't. So that means they're probably going to block a lot of stuff. So a lot of their legislative, a lot of Biden administration's, you know, legislative goals are probably DOA anyway. But in terms of getting cabinet members through, in terms of getting Supreme Court justices through, or in more, uh, and more importantly, just judicial nominees in general, because there's always vacancies on these judicial benches and I think the the Biden administration has been approving them at breakneck speed actually Trump was too but Biden administration's been pushing through judicial nominees at breakneck speed it'll be a lot easier to put those through and obviously that's a farm team for the Supreme Court and all of that other stuff um so uh it's very important uh, for Democrats to to get that 51st seat plus the 2024 map Senate map for Democrats is pretty bad. Um, they have John Tester on the ballot, who's a longtime senator from Montana. Uh, he's on the ballot during a presidential year, which is going to be difficult for him because Montana's probably going to go Republican, probably will go for Trump, or I guess DeSantis, probably Trump. Um, so he's going to have to convince enough voters basically to split their ticket. Joe Manchin's on the ballot. Um, Kristen Cinema's on the ballot in Arizona. Arizona's trending more blue, but it still uh, it still could be close. I mean, she won in a pretty close race uh, when she beat Martha McSally in 2018. Um, they also have Michigan, uh, I believe, Michigan, 
and Wisconsin, Tammy Baldwin from from Wisconsin, she's on the ballot. So the Democrats have a pretty tough map. So solidifying uh, a uh, this these two Georgia Senate seats for a full six year term is really big, uh, considering they're going to have to play a lot of defense in 2024. And it, again, it's looking like it's it's looking like uh, Warnock's going to secure that. He's up with 87 percent of the vote. And I'm going to take another break. The WBSM app is every. You know what you can light on fire? George, I mean, uh, uh, Herschel Walker's Senate race, Senate hopes. That was very clumsily delivered. I'm sorry. I'll be better tomorrow with Chris. But um, uh, Dave Washerman, who's a, a analyst at Cook Political Report, he called the race. Warnock is going to be elected. He's going to win. He has won. He will be uh, the fully a full term six year senator for the state of Georgia. Just to let you guys know, if you hadn't heard yet, Dave Wasserman called that his predictions. I mean, his his calls are as good as anybody else's. So Georgia Senate race called Warnock won. Um, so tomorrow we've got a great show ahead. Chris and I, we have um, uh, uh Dartmouth Health Director Michaud in. He's going to talk about this new uh, septic proposal by the Department of Environmental Regulations, uh, I mean, environmental protection that uh, could in- impact you and uh, and your wallet uh, substantially. So um, we're going to have him on. Then we're going to talk about the issues of the day. Friday, we're going to have Mayor Scott Lang on the pro. We're going to have Mayor Scott Lang on the program, actually, 